from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Hey, everybody. Hi. Welcome back to the show. Yay. So excited to be here. I know, right? Yeah. It feels like a long time, even though it hasn't Well, I mean, you know, we're we're like an episode behind, but we're back now. It's been a crazy, crazy couple of weeks here. Wild. In our house um, mm-hmm. and houses across the country as <laughs> Diane has been traveling, doing a whole tour of the East Coast. Not really. Not really. Two but, two cities. Yeah. I mean, y'all know we separated for Thanksgiving. We talked about that. That's true. Uh, mm-hmm. And then immediately three days after Diana got home from Thanksgiving, she took off for Miami. Miami, baby. Yes, um, it was my dear friend Cherry's bachelorette party. Yes. Well, our dear friend Cherry's Oh, yeah, we love party. Cherry. And, uh, uh, and Jason, her mm-hmm. husband. Yep. And they got, they were supposed, we were supposed to do this, you know, in 2020. Right. Everyone's trip got canceled. Uh-huh. And Cherry and Jason chose to get married over Zoom and have like a really nice park celebration they of did, their yeah. wedding. They in- didn't get married over Zoom. No, I mean, they were they, together. Yes. We watched it over Zoom. <laughs> You're yeah. right. That's important to note. They were together. Yes. And they got married uh, while we watched on Zoom. Yes. 
And um, but she but they were both like, we still want to do our trips with our friends and yeah. still get some of that kind of real, uh, quote unquote, real weddings, you know, celebration stuff right, together. Right. So we planned it and we ended up being in Miami. It was actually better trip than we had planned originally. We were going to go in like August, which would have been so hot mm-hmm. to be in Miami. And this time we got to go to Art Basel because it was our, cool. our Miami Art Week while we were there. And she's a designer, graphic designer. So, I mean, art and design are totally huge interests in her life sure. as, as well as ours, all of ours. <laughs> so we were all like, oh, shit, we're about to take Miami by storm. And we did. Miami's so fun. Yeah. I love Miami. So now I want to go back. Uh, yeah, I hope to, so. Because I, <laughs> I was very jealous. I have not been. I know. And, I had to, uh, I took a lot of pictures of yeah. all the artwork I was seeing. And I was like, I'm definitely going to show this all to Eli. And then I was like, do I <laughs> show it all to Eli? Or is that so annoying? <laughs> She's like, look at all this cool stuff I saw. No, nah, it was cool. I was glad to be there. Um, but uh, but we're back on track here. Mm-hmm. Getting now we're there here anyway. together. We're both here together. Nobody's nobody's going anywhere. We're we're getting back into it. Mm-hmm. We can finally mm-hmm. just focus back on the show again. Yes. Uh, so let's 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 get back on track with some feedback from listeners because we, yes. we've heard so many great things from you guys over the past few weeks, and we really uh, we want to get back to reading some of your emails on the show and stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I think we should reach into the old mailbag here yeah. and uh, see if we've got a oh we do a mail call. <laughs> Awesome. All right. This one is from Mara G. And they say, Hi, Eli and Diana. I've been following your show since the very beginning. I'm not sure how I found it. I think it came to me in a vision, maybe a fever dream. And then when I woke up, there was your podcast in my feed. (laughs) Well, I wish that more people would have a damn fever dream. (laughs) Oh, really? I feel like that's our primary source of advertising right now is people's fever dreams. Uh, They continue. On to the story. My partner and I had our baby on November 5th. Congratulations. Congrats, Mara and partner. And your episode on Chun Yi Sao and Chung Po Tsai kept me sane while we waited through the honestly quite boring induction process. Uh, sure, sure. All right. Now that my son is here, I sing him the show jingle when he's upset. Aww. Aww. <laughs> I almost hope it doesn't put him to sleep like he dances to it or something. Yeah, right, right. But if it right. does put him to sleep, that's okay. Whatever it takes. I'll take it. Yeah. We even named him Eli in your honor. What? Oh, my God. What? Oh, my God, babe. <gasps> That's like the 13th baby that's been named in my (laughs) honor. That's amazing. Okay, we didn't actually do that. Oh. Mara Mara took us on a roller coaster in this email. (laughs) They say, okay, we didn't actually do that, but it's a nice thought, isn't it? Yes, it is. We are going to continue to call your son Eli for the rest of his life. (laughs) Anyway, keep up the good work. I will continue to tell my friends, neighbors, uncles, aunts, and random passersby about this dope show. There you go. Peace, Mara. Yes. Thank you, Mara. What a great email. Yes, you got Mara. You, 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 you tricked us. You tricked us there in the middle. I like <laughs> you that. Had me. You had me there <laughs> you had for a me minute. You had me there for a minute. <laughs> had us in the first half. Not going to lie. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for reaching out. And I'm so glad that uh, Chun Po Tsai got you through that uh, boring labor. One day, when your son grows up, you can tell him all about that process and how your birth was very boring. But here's the podcast I listened to. <laughs> to get through This it. vintage podcast oh back my from God. 2021. He'll be like, wow, I got to stream it? Wow, okay. 
what is this? 1925? Doesn't it just project into my brain? That's how I imagine podcasts will be consumed in the future. Right. It'll just be instantaneous. Yeah. You, yeah. you heard it without ever hearing it. Uh-huh. But we'll be we'll be super famous by then, so... Ooh, I hope so. You know, so the son will be very impressed. Very impressed. That, that, was, that was what got Mara through his birth. Right. Well, very exciting. Thank you for writing in. Of course, y'all, if you have any stories you want to share or comments or anything like that about the show, we always love to hear from you. Romance at iHeartMedia.com is a great way to do it. And we look forward to hearing more. I also love the idea of Mara jumping out at random passersby and just saying, have you heard? Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) The new podcast? The hot new podcast from iHeartRadio? Thank you, Mara. We need more people like you (laughs) jumping out at strangers. All right, but it's time to get on with the show. Yes. Uh, we love talking about you all and, and hearing from you all, but we've, we've got a job to do. Mm-hmm. And today it's to talk about uh, an amazing couple mm-hmm. that, of course, you know their names, but I didn't really know a damn thing about them before we got into this. Same. Annie Oakley and Frank Butler. Now, Annie Oakley, of course, an historical figure, Ugh. famous, you know the name, and you think cowgirl, you think... Rifles, mm-hmm. you think Old West, you think shooting guns. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. a ropes. I'm seeing ropes. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. In the air. Crack shot sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. And then um, her lesser known husband is Frank Butler. Now, if you've seen Annie Get Your Gun, the musical, or, or many movies about Annie Oakley, you might remember him being portrayed as sort of a jealous grouch who kind of resented his wife's skills. Mm-hmm. But this portrayal is way off the mark, to use a shooting term. And uh, in fact, both of these people were amazing and generous, and they just had a very loving romance that we should all honestly be aspiring to. So I say we load up, take aim at the true story of Annie Oakley and Frank Butler, which is going to totally blow you away. Ooh. Gun puns, let's go. (laughs) I don't like guns. Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. Francis Butler. Francis Butler. This man was born in Ireland. Uh, And he was born sometime between 1847 and 1852. We don't have the exact date, but that was about the range. And when he was eight years old, his parents sailed across the sea to find a better life in America, Mm -hmm. as like you did back in the day in Europe. And Francis couldn't go. He stayed behind with an aunt and uncle who raised him for five years until when he was 13 years old, he himself traveled across the pond and landed in New York City. Now, he ended up in New Jersey, and he ended up taking odd jobs for work. He spent some time cleaning stables. He sold newspapers. He drove a milk wagon. Very late 1800s kind of jobs, sounds like to me. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like today, you know, you'd work at a restaurant. You work Uh at a Target. Uh Back then, you drove a milk wagon. Bed Bath & Beyond as a Christmas employee, seasonal employee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here you're selling newspapers and you're <laughs> yeah. cleaning up horse stables, classic stuff. He even had a job for a while as a glass blower. That's pretty cool. Which it sounds cool to me, but I feel like maybe back then it was like 
probably wasn't. He probably wasn't making cool pipes and no. stuff like that. He was like know? making window panes yeah. or something boring <laughs> and like burning his hands constantly. Right, yeah. But Frank soon realized amongst all these jobs that he really had a love of two things. He liked entertaining folks and he liked hanging out with dogs. <laughs> and I got a lot in common with Frank Butler. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love both of those things yeah, too. Yeah, So he decided he was going to start a dog show. And he got a half a dozen dogs together, which I'm assuming they're just roaming the streets and it's right. easy to find dogs like, in New York dog, City back then. Get over here. I have a piece of steak. <laughs> How'd you like to make a bone, dog? <laughs> I got a job for you. So he gets all these dogs together and he starts training them. And he's pretty good at it, honestly, but um, not perfect. He had this one show where he's got a half dozen dogs on stage and they're all about to do this big, amazing coordinated trick. He's spent all this time on. I imagine he's in like a paper top hat he's made for himself. So he's, you know, step right up and see the amazing dog show. Mm -hmm. I've got poodles and labs and cocker spaniels, and they're all going to do these tricks for you. Come on up, folks. <laughs> see the dogs. They jump. They bark. They <laughs> pick things up and put them down somewhere else. Wow. Time for a dog show, folks. And so he's got this big trick he's about to do, and everyone's on the edge of their seat, waiting for the dogs to do this amazing thing. And then somewhere in the distance, a fire bell rang. And all six dogs took off. They <laughs> ran off stage Oops. and disappeared into the city streets. And Frank was like, the amazing disappearing dog trick has just been completed. Uh, it went perfectly as planned. Clap, right. everyone. A, yay, we planned this. Yay. Exactly. So Frank starts to think, all right, you know, I've got this idea for a show, but maybe dogs are too unpredictable and dangerous, right? Mm. So I know I'll start playing with guns instead. <laughs> ah, the most predictable and least dangerous things of all. <laughs> so he starts training obsessively as a marksman. And he's pinging cans off fence posts, and he's tossing bottles in the air, and he blows them to pieces. He's shooting the wicks off of candles to blow them out. He's just an ace sharpshooter. Mm -hmm. He gets very good, and before long, he starts to develop a reputation. So now he starts traveling, and people want to see him perform, and he sets up this sharpshooter show. And it's drawn people from all over to see Frank Butler and his perfect aim. Meanwhile, in the rural lands of the Ohio-Indiana border, a girl named Phoebe Ann Moses, or Mosey by some accounts, was born on August 13th of 1860, just a few years before young Frank would come over to the U.S. She was the fifth of seven surviving children born to a Quaker couple, and her sisters called her Annie. Her father was 61 when she was born, and he died of pneumonia when she was just six years old. Damn. So with a single mother and seven children, Annie's family is having a rough go of it, all right? So everyone had to chip in, and that meant Annie could not attend school right away. And her father had left behind a large rifle. Her mother had told the kids never to touch it, but Annie went out and took it anyway. All right, now, this is a common story <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when it comes to gun storage. Yeah. Um, please lock up your guns because your kids will get them. Right. Even if you think you hit them really well, you didn't. I promise you, we are going through all your shit. <laughs> <laughs> so she got this rifle. She found the rifle. And she went outside. And on her first ever shot, she killed a squirrel. <laughs> and it was a clean shot, too. It was a clean kill. And she knew that mattered because if you shoot, you know, an animal straight through the head, it meant the animal would not suffer. Very important. 
and that the meat would be edible, right. even more important when you're hunting. Yeah. You know, you're kind of like, why would I spoil this? So she was like, oh, okay, I might be kind of good at this. And she started hunting and trapping for the family. This helped them out immensely, of course. But by the time Annie was 10, despite her skills, her mother just couldn't support all the kids anymore. And so Annie was sent to stay at the Dark County Infirmary, which was this large center. Tons of elderly people and orphans lived there. It was basically a place for people who had, like, nowhere else to go. And the Jim Whitting book, What's So Great About Annie Oakley, says this place was really miserable and dark. And a lot of the people who lived there just felt abandoned and useless mm. and, like, they were taking up space. So it was like a, you know, dreary environment for a child to... <laughs> go live in. Annie ended up living with the superintendents of the infirmary, and they were kind and treated her just like a daughter. She learned to sew and embroider. She even made money sewing uniforms and patching clothes at the infirmary, and so she'd send some of that back to her mother to help out the family. So, okay, one day Annie's at the Dark County Infirmary, and this farmer shows up. He's down on his luck and he came by the infirmary and he basically went in and he asked the superintendents about Annie. He told them, you know, oh, I'm just a poor old farmer and it's been too hard out there on me and my wife. We just need a willing set of hands to help with the chores and the meals and hey, in turn, little girl, you'll have plenty of time for yourself and you can even go to school if you like. It's not much, but we'll send 50 cents a week to your mother uh, for your help. And 50 cents a week, it's only about $16 today. Uh, So it's not a ton of money to send back, but it's something, you know, it's $16 more than she had. And Annie's mom could make 50 cents last. I I believe it. I believe it. I believe that. This was common back in the day. It was common for poor children to be hired out for work. Um, And Annie was actually really excited by this. She thought, oh, you know, I could I could get school uh, yeah, I'll, I'll come be your, your little orphan Annie, sure. <laughs> and her mother gave her permission, and Annie's had this daydream like, oh my God, I'll walk into this big farm palace, and I'll be greeted by a, a playfully sarcastic goose <laughs> and uh, and singing horses, and, and we'll have fresh hot corn cakes every morning, and then I'll go off to school, and every night I'll get a hug and a kiss from my new farmer caretakers, and eventually I'll grow up to be president of the United States, right? Yeah. Yeah, a spider will spin a web in the corner yeah. because some chick, some you know what girl, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Some, Stup- some orphan, you know. Stupendous. Uh-huh. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So so that's that's got to be it, right? Definitely, definitely, definitely not how that went down. Uh-oh. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> the farmer and his wife were horribly cruel and insensitive people. Oh, they were man. totally lying about every their whole setup. Uh. Annie ended up. Instead of having a spider spin compliments in their whim <laughs> for her, she would wake up at 4 a.m. to run chores the entire day, right up until she served them dinner at night. They barely fed her. She was worked to the bone. She had no time to herself. Even after working all day, they would beat her. Ugh. And she, she never shared details, but she had permanent scars on her back for the rest of her life. Oh, my God. So they really... I mean, these guys suck. Yeah. These are the villains of the week. Absolutely. In her memoirs and in person, she never dropped their names and only ever referred to them as the wolves. She called them he-wolf and she-wolf. So this week's villain of the week is the wolves? I know, right? I feel like that's rude to wolves. Right. (laughs) Chris Crow would never. (laughs) 
One time, Annie had spent all day doing her usual chores, milking the cows before dawn, making breakfast, washing dishes, feeding the pigs and chickens, pumping water, taking care of their baby, weeding the garden, picking berries, and then making dinner. That's so many chores. That's a lot. I'm just seeing the mice from Cinderella being like, and the sweet bone and the shopping. They always keep her hopping. <laughs> Look, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a 21st century digital boy, <laughs> to quote bad religion. But, you know, so take that into account. But man, one of these, I'm and I'm definitely going to, yeah. What's his name from Titus Burgess? Uh, Titus Burgess. But I already did something today. <laughs> I was just about to make that exact. I'd be like, I did one thing. I got up at 3 a.m. period. We're done for the oh, day. Yeah. I didn't even have to do anything. I after need a that. rest from waking up so early. <laughs> I'm sitting on this chair trying to, trying to wake up. It'd be on like it. 4 p.m. and like He Wolf would be like, What have you done today? And I'm like, I washed the dishes. My God, right? sir. What do you expect of me? <laughs> what have you done today, sir? <laughs> So she'd done all this stuff already. Then She-Wolf threw a stocking at her and was like, stitch up a hole in my sock. And Annie's sitting there sewing up this stocking, and she starts to nod off. Yeah. Maybe because of all the insane labor she yeah, had already done that day. Yeah, she's been up since 3 a.m. And she fell asleep with the stocking in her hand. A few minutes later, she woke up. And She-Wolf is standing over her with this big, dumb scowl on her dumb, stupid face. And she threw Annie outside in the snow with no shoes as punishment. Oh, my God. For falling asleep over the stocking. So rude. But in 1872, after working for these monsters for almost two full years, Annie busted out. Yes, I was so hoping she would. Said no more. Like, Please run away from here. <laughs> she waited until the couple was out for the day, and then she just took off. She mm -hmm. fled the house, and she ran all the way to a nearby train station. And there, she met some super nice guy, mm -hmm. and she just spilled the beans. She told him everything. Oh, my, my name's Annie. I, I had all this trouble. I, my mom had to send me to this place, and these guys were real nice. But then this farmer came, and he told me that it, it was going to be cool, and I should come live with him. And I thought it was going to be like Daddy Warbucks. And then it turns <laughs> out it was like Daddy Sorebucks. Oh. oh, that's pretty good. So it's more, like, more like Daddy... Daddy Moore sucks. Daddy Moore sucks. That's good. <laughs> Daddy Moore sucks. And this guy's super generous, random stranger is just like, wow, that sounds absolutely insane. That's mm -hmm. the craziest thing I've ever heard, little girl. The, the least I can do is buy you a train ticket. So she takes his train back and she's finally home with her mother again. But mom had really been through it, too. Mm. Uh, she actually ended up marrying another guy and having another baby and then this guy died as well. Damn! So now she is a single mom again, twice widowed, and an extra kid. So she's really got a lot to worry about. So even though Annie's back and she's very happy to see her, she's like, but I can't, I can't really take care of you and feed time. you. So she went back to the infirmary for a little while to live with the superintendents again. And they were still super nice and they treated her very well. They were very parental to her, and presumably they said, you know, uh, sorry for selling you into slavery. Okay, yeah, whoopsie, yeah. oopsie-doo. But in fact, the he-wolf came looking for her at the infirmary once, and he starts, you know, knocking around. Hey, where's that little girl? She ran off on me. Give her back. Mm -hmm. And the superintendents, Annie's new caretakers, 
absolutely weren't having it. They like, nice. you know, grab the guy by his beard and they're like, <laughs> you get the hell out of here. And if I see you again, I'm going to punch my hand all the way up your butt and out your mouth and slap you in the face. And hopefully it's covered in your own poop when I do it. <laughs> That's a paraphrase. I don't think they, not an exact quote, but either way, Annie wrote, quote, that night I slept untroubled for the first time in long months. Oh, I'll bet. I bet. So finally, when Annie was 15, she was able to go back, live with her mother. She helped out with the hunting and feeding the family. And she ended up supplying a local grocery store with meat, which would end up being served in fancy Cincinnati restaurants. Ooh, Can wow. you imagine that? She's like, that clean squirrel kill ended up in a, <laughs> some rich person like soup. It probably wasn't the squirrels. Hey, hey. <laughs> I don't know what they ate in Cincinnati back in the day. (laughs) Don't ask questions about the meat. Just eat the meat. (laughs) Her mom taught her to be super frugal. Not a scrap of food or fabric was wasted, like we said. Annie's mom could make 50 cents go a long way. So those clean kills on small targets became incredibly important. Like Annie could shoot a dormouse right through the brain from 100 yards away, and her mom would make three meals out of it. (laughs) (laughs) These guys knew how to string these things along. Uh And eventually, Annie was able to clear the mortgage on her mother's house. In the mid-1870s, things just kept getting better. Two of Annie's older sisters married, and they moved out, so a lot of the financial strain got easier. In November of 1875, Annie went to the big city of Cincinnati to visit her sister Lydia and her husband Joe Stein. And there, she would meet a man named Frank Butler, and her life would change forever. Just like how your life is going to change forever after you hear these commercials. Woo! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. 
Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. So Frank Butler has been traveling around the U.S. for a few years now, just blowing minds with his sharpshooter skills. Uh, well, hopefully not literally blowing minds know, with right? his sharpshooter skills, but he's impressing people regardless. <laughs> like, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd what, I don't know, he'd, he'd uh, throw a cast iron skillet in the air and he'd shoot at it and the bullet would like ricochet off and go through a keyhole and, and ping off a spatula and the bullet would like curve around Angelina Jolie's head. What? Like in Wanted and then and then it would fly around in a loop-de-loop and then it would spin back and go straight back into the barrel of the gun. <laughs> That's how good he was. And then he'd take it out. He'd unload. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And then it would land in his pocket. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Amazing. Very, very wow. Impressive. Holy shit. Something like that. Probably not that elaborate, but he was very good. Mm-hmm. And he had at some point around 1870 married Uh, a woman named Henrietta Saunders. And they had two children together, Edward and Katie. But just a few years later, they divorced for unknown reasons. Hmm. Um, Probably probably because he was always shooting his mouth off, huh? (laughs) Uh, Huh? uh. Anyway, Frank would go on these tours and do these incredible shows, and people came from all over to see these incredible skills. He was a traveling artist of sorts, right? So it wasn't like he was like, you know, flush with cash. What? Uh, Traveling artists are usually so rich. I know. So every so often, he would make a little extra money on bets. And and it wasn't him doing this. People came and they bet him that they could outshoot him. Mm. And Frank always kind of laughed a little and he even felt kind of guilty about taking their money. But (laughs) because nobody could beat him. Every time they'd say, oh, I bet you $20, Frank, that Mm -hmm. I could shoot the... Shoot the face off that pigeon over there. Oh, shit. And Frank's like, yeah, I think the pigeon's going to be just fine. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy would miss, and Frank would shoot, and uh, the pigeon would catch it in his mouth, and then they'd high-five him and the pigeon, and oh, uh, he'd be like, $20, please. Wow. Because um, that's how good he was. But in 1875, Frank was in Cincinnati for a Thanksgiving show at an arena called the Coliseum. And the guy who owned the hotel he was staying in, his name, seriously, was Jack Frost. No. Yes, Jack Nuh-uh. Frost. Uh, and he ha- he ice skated over to Frank <laughs> with his little blue hair. And uh, and he said, I- hey, Frank, I've got a challenger for you. And Frank's like, well, it's always so cold when you come <laughs> Jack Frost. <laughs> What's um, the deal? But he says, Frank, I've got a challenger and I will wager a hundred dollars that this mystery sharpshooter could beat you. Oh wow! Now that's about twenty-seven hundred dollars in today's money. So this is a big bet. Uh huh. And Frank is like, "Oh, Jack, I I can't take your money like that. If I put you out of business, who's gonna who's gonna bring snowball fights to the children? <laughs> who's gonna who's gonna skate around making little foggy designs in the window panes?" Uh, but Jack Frost insisted, 
And Frank was like, all right, you know, it's uh, it's your funeral mm-hmm. or not. You know, ho- I mean, hopefully, hopefully I don't it's shoot no you. one's funeral. <laughs> so I've got very good aim. <laughs> uh, yeah, I won't shoot you by accident. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so Frank shows up on Thanksgiving Day for this show. The crowd is packed. Everyone's all excited because there's no Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade. <laughs> right, yeah. Yet. They don't have anything to do on exactly. Thanksgiving back yeah. then. <laughs> right. That wouldn't happen until 1924, by the way. Oh, the Macy's Parade. Oh, mm-hmm. that's the Macy's Parade. So they got some time to wait. Yeah. Oh, the <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a cool sharpshooting show in town. Hey, Let's go see yeah. that. That'll be fun for the kids. <laughs> so the host of the show comes out and, you know, he does his, his, his patter. He's like, welcome, welcome, welcome to the most thrilling display of sharpshootery you'll ever witness. You're about to see a man who can shoot the wings off a house fly from a thousand yards away. Wow. He gave me this haircut with three shots from a Winchester rifle from 75 yards. <laughs> Look at these bangs. Listen to these bangs. With a click <laughs> and a bang, he can shoot the spinach out of your teeth with his eyes closed. Oh. Wow, yes. I can't wait to see this <laughs> oh guy. Oh, my God. Can he? And everyone cheers. Frank comes out. He bows. He probably bends over backwards and shoots upside down. And the bullet <laughs> cuts a rope that drops a banner and says, Happy Thanksgiving, bitches. <laughs> and the crowd's like, wow, my God. And then the announcer says, But today, he has a challenger. A shooter who claims to be better than the rest. An unknown force with an aim as sharp as a very sharp thing, like a razor or a small animal's tooth. Oh, those are sharp. Very sharp. They hurt more than you think. She's a 15-year-old girl from nowhere, Miss Annie Moses, or Mosey, depending on your source. (laughs) (laughs) And out walks little Annie. She's tiny and rough and spunky, and everybody just goes dead silent. Whoa. Because it's not like there aren't women sharpshooters or anything. Right. There, there are. It's not like chickens walking out with a gun, right. with a gun or something. <laughs> but the sight of this very young girl is definitely a shock to everybody. Mm. So probably Frank just laughs, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. he, it's like that classic scene where the cocky man is like, this little girl, <laughs> I don't think so. And then he like gets his comeuppance for his arrogance when... She shows off and she's like, you shouldn't have been so quick to underestimate me. You know, oh, that, classic. That, that, yeah. that scene. Seen it a hundred times. Right. And he hangs his head in shame. Oh, sure. Yeah. But he can't help but begrudgingly admire her. Oh, you know? right. Yeah. We've all seen this we movie. We know the yeah, beats. Classic, right. classic. Um, no, that's cliche and stupid. <gasps> what? In reality, Frank immediately knew there's no way he's going to beat this girl. Oh. He said, quote, I was a beaten man the moment she appeared. For I was taken off guard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is where we're going to get into poor Frank's legacy a little bit, right? Because in the movies, like we said, Annie Oakley in 1935 was a movie. uh, Or, of course, the popular musical Annie Gets Your Gun. um, Or there was a 1976 film called Buffalo Bill and the Indians. All of these portray, as is pointed out in TrueWestMagazine.com, that Frank was, quote, a philandering cad, jealous of his wife's skill with firearms, and capable of resorting to pathetic and destructive measures to assert his manhood. Boo. But that's not Frank at all. In reality, Frank was actually amazed by Annie the moment he saw her. He basically thought, like, hey, you know, if this girl came up to challenge me and you know, my my buddy Jack Frost over there is willing to lay down a hundred clams on it. Mm-hmm. There's no way this girl isn't incredible. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I, could, I could tell from here, this is going to be something special. Mm-hmm. And so he's totally caught off guard. And their competition, the thing they were betting on, was this, uh, it was this cute little game where they release a bunch of birds 
and they shoot as many as they can each, right? Oh, man. And I, I first read this, and I'm thinking, like, oh, okay, so, like, you know, oh, I got three, and you got five. No, no, no. Annie killed 23 birds, and Frank only killed 21. So I guess, sorry, birds. I know, You're right? the real losers in this game. Damn. <laughs> did they let, let off 50 birds, and I, they killed it, most of something them? Something like or that? Or did they get, like, 100 sure. birds, and they only got half? Uh, I, I feel like they got most of them. Most of them. I mean, they were Damn. both very good. Ice cold. You know, so... Ice cold, Jack Frost. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, pour one out for the birds. But this was Annie's first ever big match. Mm-hmm. And it was Frank's first ever defeat. <sighs> Amazing. What a meat cute. <laughs> and yeah, Frank was not a sourpuss or a sore loser or a general piece of shit in any way. <laughs> Like, we stand Frank. (laughs) After the match, he gave Annie and her family free passes to his exhibition at the Coliseum, which is pretty generous for, again, a traveling showman who doesn't have a lot of money, who just lost $100 on this bet. (laughs) Yeah, right. And Annie walked in. She is pretty impressed with the show and all this cool stuff going on. But then, from across the room, she saw him. His name was George... They locked eyes, and Annie fell immediately in love. Her heart was full. Her eyes were beaming. Without even thinking, she ran over to George and kissed him right on his face. Now, George was Frank's standard poodle. (laughs) I get this. I would have been like, oh, Uh I got to meet the dog. So Annie's done. She's like, this dog is my dog now. Sorry. (laughs) And Frank saw them hitting it off. He totally smiled, but it was time for the show to start, and George was part of the show. Oh, okay. So he whistled the dog over, and Annie stood in the wings watching the act, and Frank whispered something to George and then put an apple on his head. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Because <laughs> uh, anytime a sharpshooter okay. of any weapon type puts uh-huh. an apple on someone's head, uh... Yeah, that can only mean one thing, right? I, I'm never letting... I don't care how good a shot you are. You can put <laughs> shit on I, my head. Look, I'm never going to even put an apple on my head because I feel like that's Period. just an invitation for someone to start shooting <laughs> at just me. Just in case there's a sharpshooter around. <laughs> Keep this apple away. Right. But yeah, exactly. That's exactly what the plan was. I'm going to shoot this apple off. And George stood perfectly, amazingly still... While Frank walked to the other side of the stage and turned, and Annie's probably a little nervous, thinking, uh, dude, you missed two birds. Right, yeah. I like this dog. Let's not have a tragedy right now in front of all these people. And Frank raises his pistol, extends his arm, aims carefully, and... Oh, Oh my God. Oh, Frank. Woo! I got nervous. But the apple popped off George's head and landed safely next to him. And George then picked up the murdered apple in his mouth, (laughs) walked over to Annie, and dropped it at her feet. And she's like near tears from the tension and the excitement and the good, good, good boy. What a good dog, George. Oh, my gosh. That would freak me out. That is freaking me out. In fact, um, Speculation Station. Uh Um, So what... What do you suppose happened to all the other dogs that Frank was training for his show? Oh, <laughs> because I feel like, you know, mm. anytime you learn a new skill, you have to be bad at it first. Ooh. You have to fail several times. So was George just the last dog? No, don't say that. <laughs> 
Oh my god! Hopefully he put it on like a you know like a baseball bat. Yeah, <laughs> surely a few times, and then tried living things. Honestly, I'm sure that he did because Frank was a dog lover, right? Uh, right. And he was a dog lover, and in fact, together throughout their life, they had a couple of dogs, and one of their dogs is very famously their dog. There's portraits of them together. Aww. Uh beautiful. They love dogs, so yeah, mm-hmm. you know. I'm I'm gonna say that probably Frank never shot a dog. Yes, let us not uh, or in on this, purpose <laughs> in this episode hoping to fix Frank's Frank's reputation. Yeah, <laughs> let us not ascribe a bunch of dog murder to him. <laughs> no doubtful, but anyway, they just really were impressed with each other, Frank and Annie, and they started getting real flirty and cute. Mm-hmm. You know, like Adorable. Cupid had loaded up his Smith & Wesson Model 1 <laughs> single-action revolver, and he had blown a twenty-two caliber hole right through their hearts. Aww. And yeah, she's like 15 at yeah, the time. Yeah. And yeah, Frank's like 8 to 10 years older than her. Ooh. So, you know, whatever. You guys know this show. We touched on it. It's there. It's weird now. It was less weird then. I I don't know what to say. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, we'll just kind of put it behind us. Um, yeah. <laughs> as we do with many couples that we talk about on this show. It's tough. We just say different <laughs> times and we move on. But Frank continued his tour and he never stopped thinking about Annie back oh. home in Cincinnati. He would send her letters and candy and he signed them all that they were from George. Oh, my God. You know, that is so cute. I'm guessing there's a little paw print on yes, the letter. Yes, I was I totally thinking. I hope so. <laughs> oh, my God. Please put his paw in some ink. <laughs> oh, I hope so. And the two of them had had similar difficult childhoods. Right. They had had to learn early on how to take care of themselves. Yeah. And, of course, they managed to ease their financial struggles by getting really good at shooting stuff. <laughs> okay. They had a lot in common. Right. <laughs> And neither of them were interested in smoking, drinking, gambling. They didn't really have any vices to speak of. They're just like, we like shooting guns and hanging with dogs. Yeah, perfect That's my life. Yeah. So before long, they were just totally obsessed with each other. But Annie's family was hesitant. Right. They're like, okay, but he's 10 years older than you, which, you know, we just said, well, weird. Um, He's got two kids and he's divorced, which is super gross in this day and age. Right. Worst of all. (laughs) He's a performer. Oh, gross. So gross. But when Frank came to visit them, they saw how charming and kind he was and how much he loved Annie and how well he treated her. And they were kind of like, well, damn, we're not going to do much better than this. When's the wedding? (laughs) This is looking great. And when's the wedding is still a good question, honestly, because there is some debate over when the wedding actually was. Most historians agree that it was probably in 1876, which would have been the year after they met. Mm. But Frank has it listed as June of 1882, six years later. Um, This might be there's a couple of different ideas about why this year discrepancy is there maybe because frank wasn't really divorced yet so they had to kind of say oh. their marriage or, or do their marriage officially later on um or it's also possible i read a historian say that annie might not have been super forthcoming about her actual age the year that they met when she was oh. 16 so maybe frank found out later how old she was and was like uh 
maybe I shouldn't have married a 16 year old. So can we just push that date right. forward and tell people we waited until you were 22? Makes to me get look married? slightly better. <laughs> so it, it's unknown. Mm -hmm. But regardless, their marriage was a happy one, full of mutual admiration and respect and support. Aww. And Frank wasn't just a kind man with a Hawkeye aim and a perfect dog. He was also an amateur poet. Perfect man. So let's go on down to Poetry Corner and hear what Frank Butler has written about his wife, Annie Mosey. There's a charming little girl. She's many miles from here. She's a loving little fairy. You'd fall in love to see her. Her presence would remind you of an angel in the skies. And you bet I love this little girl with the raindrops in her eyes. Precious. Cute. So sweet. You can just see it folded up in a little valentine uh -huh. with George's paw print on the front. Yeah. And like a little, oh. uh, he, sh he shoots like a bullet through the eye of her, <laughs> to dot the <laughs> eye of her name. <laughs> oh, everything they own is full of <laughs> holes. <laughs> <laughs> that hole is when Annie and I first made love. <laughs> While we were shooting, <laughs> we were our, shooting guns our guns off with impeccable aim. <laughs> So they get married and Frank paid for Annie to go back to school, which she'd always wanted to do, mm -hmm. um, because he was continuing his tour. And, you know, she was school age, so she okay. was going to finish like, up her studies. <laughs> um, and he toured with a shooting partner named John Graham. But then in 1882, John got sick and they needed someone to fill in. Annie had just, you know, finished her school and come back to meet up with Frank and John and kind of follow their tour for a little while. And so Frank asked Annie, hey, why don't you join the act? Mm -hmm. All you have to do is just hold up these targets and, you know, and I'll shoot them right out of your hands there. Mm -hmm. You know me. It's going to be great. She's like, absolutely. Right. So she jumps on stage, holds the targets for him. And Frank had this bit where he would miss purposefully a couple of times because sure. the audience would get real nervous and on the edge of their oh, seats, no! they'd get all excited. Is he going to shoot the girl? I hope mm -hmm, not. You know, mm -hmm. um, but this time he just couldn't hit the target. He'd, you know, missed intentionally a few times, but then he couldn't hit it intentionally. Weird. And so the audience is starting to get restless and a man stands up and says, hey, let the girl shoot. <laughs> and everybody in the crowd is like, yeah, yeah, let the girl shoot. We want to see the girl shoot. So Frank says, all right. He grabs the target and he holds it up and Annie takes a shot. She misses the first time. But the second time, she blew the target right out of his hand. Mm. Frank later wrote, quote, The crowd went into an uproar, and when I attempted to resume my act, I was howled down. And Annie continued. Oh, man. <laughs> so great. They were like, no, 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 no. We're done we with you, Frank. Get the girl back. <laughs> I mean, because Frank knew a good show. Right. All right. Frank is a good producer. Yeah. <laughs> He knew what the crowd wanted, and he wanted them to have it. There you go. So he was totally fine stepping to the side and letting his wife take center stage for the rest of the night. And he knew right then and there that they were a performing team. Mm -hmm. He wrote, quote, from that day to this, I have not competed with her in public shooting. Yeah. The show was rebranded for the two of them. And... Though no one knows exactly why she chose it, uh, Annie decided to start using the stage name Annie Oakley. Yeah. And eventually the stage name just became her name and she never went by Annie Moses again. Yeah. And yeah, I, I love that they never competed again. Right. It was just a two-person show. You know, yeah. that guy's reloading and I can keep shooting while the audience keeps them entertained. So they, they performed together, but it was never about 
am I better than you? Yeah. That wasn't part of their marriage at all. And it wasn't part of their show either. I love that because that that is what you would take home with you. Do you know yeah, what I'm saying? exactly. Like that sense of competition. Right. That tension of like you won tonight or you lost tonight. Yeah. You could take that home and it could cause a lot of strife. So Butler and Oakley traveled the country and they started to make a huge name for themselves. Obviously, it was a mm -hmm. huge show. Everyone wanted to see these married sharpshooters not shoot each other. You know? <laughs> but in the coming years, Annie's fame did start to grow way more than Frank's. And Frank, you know, he had started this whole touring sharpshooter show thing and he was used to being the headlining act and the center of attention. And he recalled all the years where the crowds used to chant his name. And he thought to himself, well, that was nice. And now it's this. Good for her. <laughs> and he spent less and less time on stage and he took on more of a managerial position. He knew that they were partners mm -hmm. and that her success was his success. Ugh, I love that. Yeah. Frank. And Annie is like weighed down with all the medals and awards <laughs> she's winning everywhere. She had a trick where she held a little mirror in her hand and she would put the rifle backwards over her shoulder uh -huh. and would shoot targets behind her just by looking in her little hand mirror. Amazing. And at the end of her set, her signature move was to skip off stage and do a cute little kick in the air before she exited. Aww. So cute. <laughs> Meanwhile, Frank's in the back room just counting stacks of cash that are growing uh -huh. <laughs> from this and being perfectly happy with their current arrangement. Right. And then, in 1885, they got a huge offer to join Buffalo Bill's Wild West Show, an international touring sensation that would make Annie a true shooting star. Hey. And now you're about to feel like a target as these commercials set their sights on you. <laughs> we'll be right back. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. 
had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great tasting all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to symbiotica.com. That's C Y M B I O T I K A. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring, and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up, like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect, flowy spring dress for Mother's Day, as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all, even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. And welcome back. So William Cody was this U.S. Army scout who, after the Civil War, had been contracted to provide the Kansas Pacific Railroad workers with meat. Mm. And here's a little throwback to our recent Chris Crow and Walnut the Crane episode where we talked about this. Um, He was sent to kill buffalo in order to do this, to provide all these workers with meat. And we talked a lot in that episode about the many reasons that the U.S. government aggressively tried to wipe out the buffalo in the 19th century. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that was to make things harder for the indigenous tribes in the Great Plains. Right. Um, We don't need to get back into the whole thing again, but go back and listen to that episode because it's really fascinating Mm -hmm. and heartbreaking to hear how the almost entire population of buffalo was wiped out um, for colonialism, basically. Mm -hmm. Just so they couldn't feed themselves and would have to rely on the U.S. government. Uh Mm -hmm. Um, Mixed into all this was, of course, William Cody's job of going to kill as many buffalo as he could. Uh, You know, the the stated reason was to feed all these railroad workers. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the umbrella reason was to continue to take over the Great Plains. Right. And in an 18-month period, Cody was purported to have killed over 4,000 buffalo by himself. Jeez. The the second worst Buffalo Bill after O.J. Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> and in 1883, he developed Buffalo Bill's Wild West in Nebraska. His publicist, Arizona John Burke, made the show a sensation by getting celebrity endorsements, using press kits and publicity stunts, purchasing billboards, and licensing merchandise. So Arizona John's kind of like an early club promoter. Right, right. <laughs> He's out here with flyers all over <laughs> mm-hmm. on the strip. And in 1885, the name Annie Oakley was a household name. So Buffalo Bill and Arizona John agreed they had to have her for the show. Mm-hmm. Now, their shows usually started with a horseback parade, and they had displays of sharpshooting, racing, or rodeo bull riding. Okay. And it was all framed around historical reenactments. Oh. 
Anyone want to guess what an 1880s Western historical reenactment was like? <laughs> uh, not really. <laughs> Surprise! It was super racist and a demonification of American Indians. Oh, look at that. They liked to show the Battle of Little Bighorn, a.k.a. Custer's Last Stand. Right, right. And in the battle, Custer and all his men were killed by Indians. At the end, Buffalo Bill would ride in and then act all sad because he was like too late to help oh, out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he would grab the lead Indian in that scene, who was named Yellow Hair, and scalp him. Ugh. And he'd hold it up and shout to the audience, the first scalp for Custer. Oh, Ooh. and of course, all those... White people went wild for it. Of course. It. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Just, uh, blech. And I'm blech. assuming this is a stage scalping and not a well, real yeah, scalping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it let's, was not. <laughs> let's just throw that in there in case you're worried. It's true. And, and you know what? We'll have a quick fling with history here. Yeehaw! Buffalo Bill actually, I mean, he did employ a lot of indigenous people in his show. Mm -hmm. um, and he included a lot of Mexicans as well in some of their shootouts that they reenacted. Um, so, I mean, you know, he was hiring people of color to play themselves. Mm -hmm. He wasn't using brown face. So that's good? That question is, that mark? Is question mark? That is something. I mean, you know, I mean, it was something. It's <laughs> tough. It's like we're, you know... I think you and I talked about this a while ago, but we were talking about some of the Asian actors in uh, Hollywood. And they right. were sort of talking about that like early in their career. The only parts they ever got were like really stereotypical, right. terrible parts. Yeah. And they, they had this struggle, um, you know, inside themselves, sort of like on one hand, this is stereotypical and awful and not the representation I'm looking for. Right. On the other hand, there needs to be more of me and my face in in Hollywood. So I right. need to take the jobs that are available to me and they unfortunately are only these racist stereotypes. Right. What do I do? Do I not take the job as a boycott of that and yeah. maybe have an effect, maybe not? Right. Or do I just take it and do my best with it and try to make a platform for myself right. to speak out about how Change shitty it inside, is? Yeah. Right. I think that's yeah. tough. It is tough because, I mean, these shows definitely perpetuated really negative stereotypes. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, especially the Great Plains Indians, who mm -hmm. the U.S. was often fighting with at this time, too. Yeah. I mean, Custer's Last Stand, uh, the Battle of Little Bighorn, was a huge deal um, where the American Indians won. And rather than, like, you know, being like, oh, you won, I guess we'll back off, they instead sent thousands more troops in. Right. Uh, and killed a lot of people for it. And meanwhile, you've got these Wild West shows where everyone's cheering that on mm -hmm. because they portray these people as, you know, as horrible monsters. It's awful. Yeah. But one of the more popular figures that Buffalo Bill employed in his show was Chief Sitting Bull. He was a leader of the Hunkpapa Council of the Lakota tribe, who had led his people in a resistance against the U.S. military and government policies. There's this website, BreakingCharacter.com, that has a really great summary of a lot of people in the Annie Oakley story because it compares them back to Annie Gets Your Gun, the mm. musical, mm -hmm. and how wrong uh, those, <laughs> that, that show's interpretations of these characters are. And Chief Sitting Bull is one of the ones that they break down in a really interesting way. He, um, after seeing indigenous people betrayed several times by the U.S. government... Uh, after they'd made arrangements and then just done whatever right. they wanted. Yep. Sitting Bull refused to ever again allow a treaty that would force his people onto a reservation. Mm -hmm. Right. He said, I've seen that. I've fought against that. 
And what you do after we get to reservations is awful. And this promise is always broken. Mm -hmm. Now, this stance made him very popular. He soon became the supreme leader of the Lakota Sioux. He was the first person ever given that title. And he led them to victory many times, including the Battle of Little Bighorn. That was his victory. Mm -hmm. And like we said, basically after that, after Custer was killed, the U.S. Army went crazy. They sent thousands more troops. And Sitting Bull and his people all had to flee to Canada. And they stayed there for four years. Uh, He even refused amnesty when they offered him a pardon. He said, no, I'm not coming back. Um, But eventually they were having a hard time finding food. And so he was forced to make an agreement with the U.S. government. Uh, He surrendered in exchange for amnesty for his people. And he was a prisoner for two years uh, before they sent him to go live on the Standing Rock Reservation. Mm. And while he was at Standing Rock in 1884, Sitting Bull happened to meet up with Annie Oakley. Oh. And he was so amazed by her sharpshooting skills that he offered her $65 to get a photograph of them together, Damn. which sounds like a normal price you might pay, like Dragon Con <laughs> that's or something. That's about what I paid for our picture with Evangeline Lilly. Right, right, right. right. A treasured today. possession in this household. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But what was $65 back then? Let's look at our machine. Can you, can you pull the adding machine was, out? It was uh, 1884. $65 is? $1,762 today. Oh, wow. I don't think I'd pay that for the Evangeline Lilly picture. Uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Sorry, Evangeline Lilly. I love you, but no. <laughs> I don't have it. <laughs> I don't have it. <laughs> right. And Annie was just as impressed with Sitting Bull, which I think you should be. Right. Well, maybe I'll give you $1,000 to get with you. (laughs) Matt, what would that photograph be worth today? Oh, certainly more than $1,700. Oh, my God. (laughs) And she was just so kind and modest. She had a ton of respect for Sitting Bull. He felt like she was supernaturally gifted to be able to shoot the way that she did. Mm. And he reportedly asked if he could adopt her as his daughter. Oh, And that this was a symbolic adoption, but the two of them became friends for the rest of his life, and he gave her the Lakota name Watanya Cecilia, which means Little Sure Shot, which Little Sure Shot kind of sounds like a Beach Boys song. (laughs) (laughs) Can't you hear him going like, Little Sure Shot? Oh, yeah. You don't know what I got. (laughs) So shortly after Annie joined Buffalo Bill's show in 1885, she introduced Sitting Bull to Buffalo Bill, and he put the chief in his show as well. Sitting Bull came in, he did a four-month stint where literally all he did was ride around the arena once and, you know, show off to everybody in his his garb. Yeah. And he got 50 bucks a week, which today is about $1,400. And he made a small fortune selling autographs and photographs, uh, although he did give a lot of his money away to the homeless. Mm. So I feel like... If anything, he was just like, yeah, let me make some money off these assholes. I guess so. <laughs> that, that's that got to be the only, I mean. But also, a lot of historians say that he was very much pushing for a let's move past this kind of mentality. Like, we've got to find a peace between mm-hmm. our people. Mm-hmm. It's the only way forward. You know, we can keep fighting forever, but it's just going to be more of my people get slaughtered. You know, more of your people die and it's, it'll never end. In any rate... He worked the show for four months, went back to Standing Rock. But in 1890, a few years after he'd left the show, federal agents were afraid that he was going to flee the reservation and support all these anti-American movements. So they ordered his arrest. Mm. And during a struggle between his followers and the police, 
Sitting Bull was shot and killed by Standing Rock policemen. Mm. Yeah. Let's not forget Standing Rock, of course. Much in the news in yeah. the past few years because of the pipeline that right. went through the Lakota reservation and a lot of the protests that happened out there were very violently received yeah. by the police. So this is like uh, kind of a topical, still yeah. topical, even yeah. though it's 1880s. Same damn problem. Same Over shit. 150 years later. But back at the show, Annie was the top paid performer. After Buffalo Bill himself. Sure. That's pretty cool. She Second build be. after right. the guy's name is on the show. Uh-huh. That's pretty good. In 1887, they packed up the show, including the horses, buffalo, and elk, and they sailed to London to perform in Queen Victoria's Golden Jubilee, which is like the 50th anniversary of her coronation. Yeah, big party. Um, which is cool. They had like a weird Noah's Ark <laughs> going over <laughs> right, to Victorian yeah. England. And the queen herself, who's notably reclusive, even came out to watch. So this wow. is like, she was like, I need to see yeah. this shit my, with my own eyes. And they played London for six months, where more than 2.5 million people came to see the show. And they loved Annie's modest demeanor. She refused to wear ball gowns and kept her, her homemade dresses at parties and balls. So people liked that, too. They were like, oh, she's yeah. a down girl. You know, she's not trying to pose and uh-huh. like act like something she's not. And several people even proposed to her. Oh. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. She's Some like, I'm British lords. And she's like, I'm feeling myself. <laughs> Meanwhile, Frank is just continuing to be the world's greatest sport and the ultimate supportive husband. Ugh, Frank. Right? True West magazine says that on at least one occasion, Frank was mistaken for Annie's butler, which he just laughed off. Do, do you think? Do you think he was like, "Oh, well, I am a butler, but I'm not the butler." <laughs> and this is my and this is Frank Butler, and they think that yeah, they Frank, went Frank comma, comma, butler. butler. This is Frank butler. butler. He's like, I do no butling. <laughs> but he was like, whatever, you know, funny mistake. He's sure. just an old town guy, and one time. The king of Senegal had come to see the show. He was in London, and he went up to Buffalo Bill, thinking that Buffalo Bill was responsible for Annie Oakley, Mm -hmm. and he offered to purchase her to come back to Senegal and shoot tigers that had been attacking his villages. Wow. (laughs) This also, Frank just laughed off. He Mm -hmm. was like, you know, this is silly. It doesn't matter. They were still married. There was no threat to his pride or his marriage. It was it was not a big deal. It was just a funny thing that happened. <laughs> and Frank handled all their finances. He worked as Annie's publicist, her travel agent, and even her stage extra. He would come on sometime and throw glass balls into the air. And Annie would shoot them down. They'd burst, you know, mm-hmm. big sparkly show, really cool stuff. And Frank loved every minute of it. I just love that so much yeah. that he just has such a good sense of humor about this type of thing. Right. I mean, right. especially in a time when you wouldn't, you know, right. you'd be like, I'm my wife's butler. Like, what are you talking uh-huh. about? He was the king of Senegal was like, will you ask her butler if she <laughs> if she could come do Tiger? He's, he's like, like, oh, your butler refused that you could go. <laughs> <laughs> my butler said I couldn't. I'm so sorry. How dare you speak to her that way? <laughs> in a second tour of Europe in 1889 through France, Germany, Italy and Spain. They saw tremendous poverty across these countrysides. And it was the beginning of their lifelong commitment to donate money to charities and orphanages. Um, Frank and Annie never had children of their own. It's unknown if this was by choice or biology or whatever. 
Um, But they both knew the hardships of growing up in poverty and having to work at a young age. And they were like super committed to fighting against that for children everywhere. They're like, that shouldn't happen anymore. Yeah. And in 1894, Annie got another famous invitation from our old friend Thomas Edison. Oh, boy. Who wanted her to come be filmed on his new invention, the kinetoscope. They did their old trick where Frank threw glass balls in the air and she blasted them out of the sky. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Edison's like, hey, Annie Oakley. (laughs) The the return of our Thomas Edison from the Nikola Tesla episode. Hey, Annie Oakley. I, I want you to come over here. I want to. I want to use this new invention I stole. I mean, invented <laughs> to make a moving picture out of you shooting glass mm. balls. I probably won't pay you for it. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll give you fifty billion dollars to come do it. She does it. She's uh, like, can I have my money? He's like, oh, I was kidding. Just kidding. Ha ha ha. That's You're what, stupid. That's what he did to Tesla. Go back and listen to that that's episode. Right. Edison sucks. Nikola Tesla and a pigeon. Uh, it's a great episode. Mm-hmm. Um, also wanted to say, I mean, this is, this, you know, childless adults can be super supportive of children. Of children. You know, oh, I like to think that's kind of how we are, too, yeah. because, uh, I, you know, you don't have to. I'm not great with kids. I don't particularly love hanging out with kids, but I like kids. I want kids to succeed. Mm-hmm. I'm not out here like crotch goblins like that. That's, I hate that's that. the worst, y'all. If you Very don't have kids, if you don't even like kids, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But like, don't don't vilify don't children, know. you know? Right. And I really love that they were like, we don't have kids, but we were kids. Okay. And we know how hard that is, so right. we want to try and make that better. That's really awesome of them. I think. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And it sucks too to be like, I know people are out here judging me for not having kids, so I'm gonna turn it around and be really judgmental about you yeah. having them. Like, yeah. it's not really yeah. helpful to do the same thing back does do you know what i mean yeah yeah i have wonder just comparing it to us again if they didn't have children because they were like you know we kind of have this like lifestyle we're on the road yeah we're there's a lot of guns in the house many a gun that's not us but you know but but maybe uh you know maybe they were just like it's we'd have to give everything up Mm -hmm. and we wouldn't necessarily be great parents uh, so maybe we just help kids instead of having them. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. I, and I wonder if Annie was a little bit like me, where she's like, you know, I, I just, maybe kids are great, but pregnancy and labor, <laughs> yeah. I'm not very interested in that. <laughs> don't email us with your arguments. Don't email us. I, I've heard them all. I don't need to hear about your blessings. We love your children. Your and children are fantastic. very excited to meet them. I would love to coo over your child and make a friend <laughs> of your eight-year-old, but I do not want one. So back to the story here. In October of 1901, the Buffalo Bill shows private train, which carted them all from state to state. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were traveling through Virginia when everyone was suddenly jostled awake by a head-on collision with another train. Oh, no. Yes. Horrifying. Horrifying. And incredibly, no people were killed. That's really amazing for a head-on train collision in eighteen in nineteen oh one. But sadly, a hundred of the show's horses died pretty Aww. immediately. An article called "The Biography of Sharpshooter Annie Oakley" on ThoughtCo.com says that Annie's hair turned white after this incident, and they decided at this point it was time to leave the Wild West show for good. Ugh. You know, we've been doing this for sixteen years. I think we've had enough. Yeah, I think a head-on collision is a good way, a good note to go out on. Yes. 
They settled down in New Jersey, and they started to pursue other ventures. Frank became a sales rep for the Union Metallic Cartridge Company and sold ammunition, which can't imagine a better spokesperson than Frank Butler or Annie Oakley. Like, uh, some guy named Frank Butler out here want to sell ammunition? (laughs) Get him now! Get him now! How much does he want? (laughs) Frank, what's your experience with bullets? (laughs) (laughs) So Frank's doing that, and meanwhile, Annie starred in a play called The Western Girl, and people really enjoyed it, although it never did go to Broadway, but Mm -hmm. it was a a local hit. That's all right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Nothing wrong with some regional theater. Yeah. Things were looking nice and quiet and chill for old Annie and Frank. Hmm. But then, in 1903, scandal. Oh, no. None other than Mr. William Randolph Hearst. Oh, boo. Boo, I know. Right? Another villain of the week. <laughs> I know, right? So many villains. He published an article in the Chicago Examiner that Annie Oakley had been arrested for stealing in order to support her cocaine habit. What? What? This don't sound like Annie Oakley to me. <laughs> Now, this is outrageous to anyone who knows her, including you and me, who have been learning about her for the last few minutes. And even most people who didn't know her were like, hmm, that don't sound right. Right. Annie Oakley was famously modest and sweet and rich. So it's like, why would she need to steal to support a drug habit that there's no evidence she has? Insane. But- You know how fake news do. (laughs) Within days, it had spread to newspapers across the country. It was like Mm -hmm. a huge story. So how did this happen? Where was the journalistic integrity? Turned out someone was arrested for stealing to support a cocaine habit. That's all true. But it was a burlesque performer in a Wild West-themed show who went by the stage name Annie Oakley. Annie Oakley. Annie Oakley. A-N-Y. Now, you could have had a quick letter, telegram off uh-huh. <laughs> somewhere to verify your sources, right. Mr. William Randolph Hearst. <laughs> but no, it was too, it was too sensational. They yeah, had to run like, it. I just need to sell papers. I'm here to sell papers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's great. It's a good stage name, though, for a while. Annie West Oakley, theme. yeah. I just thought that they were doing the, the same thing back then with like mm-hmm. renaming celebrities as your burlesque. Yeah, totally. You know, like now you'd have like, what is my, my, my drag name is always Tilda Swim Fan. (gasps) Tilda Swim Fan, please get that drag show together. Annie Oakley. I mean, it's not the most creative name in the world, but they were doing it, you know. Anyway, Annie Oakley. Annie Oakley. (laughs) So Annie Oakley (laughs) starts kicking down doors and every single newspaper that printed this story and She's she's like, yo, I demand a retraction, and you guys know how my aim is, All so right. don't don't screw she, it up. Two guns out, right? <laughs> she's like, I don't miss. There's if a you few, haven't heard. There's a few holes in that story. <laughs> if you don't retract, there's gonna be a few holes in your chest. <laughs> wow. So some of them did retract the story, but Annie had to spend the next six years in legal battles against William Randolph Hearst and other newspaper giants for their very obvious and egregious libel case here. ThoughtCo says that she won about $800,000 in her lawsuits against 55 newspapers. But even that was less than what she'd paid in legal expenses. To her, it didn't matter. She was just glad that she cleared her name, you know, and that she was happy enough that it was over and that Mm -hmm. she'd won. So meanwhile, Frank Butler, still a master of words, and at some point he wrote a gem of a poem that deserves to be shared. So let's go back to Poetry Corner and hear Frank Butler's poem titled, Hunting in Florida. 
Did you ever hunt in Florida? Did you ever get up at half past four? Did you ever try to smile while you drove ten mile and the rain came down in a pour? Did your knees ever shake when you heard about a snake? Did you ever hear the rattler's warning call? If you did, with me, you surely will agree. The North ain't such a bad place after all. <laughs> Just this diss track on Florida. I, he's like, let me roast Florida. Really quick. <laughs> I mean, he won't be the first or the last to write a diss track about Florida. <laughs> True. In 1911, when Annie was 51 years old, she re-entered showbiz to join the young Buffalo Bill Wild West show. Even then, she could still draw a crowd and shoot the tits off a of geese. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> shoot the... Something small. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I can't think of anything small. Only big things are coming to mind. She could shoot the. She could shoot the paint off a barn. She could mm-hmm. shoot the. And even then, she could still draw a crowd and shoot the poppy seed off an everything bagel. Oh, hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good pickings that's right there. A single poppy seed. <laughs> but two years later, she retired for good. And she and Frank took summers in Maryland and winters in North Carolina, and they spent their time taking road trips and hunting. They continued to be best friends and partners in all things. During World War One, Annie offered to raise a regiment of female sharpshooters. Please. Where, yes, I would love that movie of World War right? One female sharpshooters. The, like, we need this alternate business. history movie. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But the government ignored her offer. Rude. Boo. So instead, she and Frank joined the effort to raise money for the Red Cross by performing at charity events. Awesome. And Annie gave free shooting lessons to women in her area anyway. There you go. Nice. Yeah. Together, she and Frank raised money for dozens of charities, orphanages, and hospitals. And they devoted their later years almost entirely to each other and to charity. That's so awesome. Which is like, what a great old age like right. that's what i kind of want for my oh, old sure, age yeah, you yeah. and i were just independently wealthy at this right, point from right. all of our wonderful success right and we're able to just go handle some gofundmes uh-huh. randomly on a day when i just feel like drinking coffee yeah throwing 5k into yeah. different strangers gofundme accounts yeah doing cool shit for charity running around the world I think it sounds great. Having houses in two different places. One one change, and no offense, but um, can we not do Maryland and North Carolina? Uh, no, I don't homes? want that either. I I'm I have like, different locations in mind. We've got summers in New York, winters in L.A. Maybe right, right, or like a Paris, a chalet in Paris. Oh yeah, sure, nice. sure. I don't you think know, I'm asking much. Maybe a house in Vancouver, a brownstone in Brooklyn. Right. Uh, right. you know, a, somewhere a, on the beach. A big house in the hills. In the hills. Sure. There's some very beautiful places uh-huh. in like Eastern Europe. Yeah. Like I, you know, I. I oh, I, Croatia. I, Can we just Croatia? Get... Please let me go to Croatia. Uh, here it's stunning. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. So um, any anyway, if there's a house somewhere in the world, feel free to offer it to us, and we will. Not necessarily accept if it's in Maryland, but <laughs> <laughs> look, if you give me a free house in Maryland, I'll I'm going to take I'm it. I'm going to take it. It's very true. We're not in a place to turn you down. <laughs> so, I, so yeah, they've got this amazing life. They're giving. They're loving. They're just mm-hmm. together. I and, love and their everything that they're doing. It's mm-hmm. it's such a wonderful relationship. They're such equals mm-hmm. and they've got such good hearts, both of them. Yeah. And just clearly their goals are all lined up. And they must really enjoy each other's company. I yeah, mean, they're like together absolutely. all the time, working together, traveling yeah. together. Like, 
hanging out with their dogs. I mean, it sounds perfect. They impress each other. And I think that's yeah. so important. Mm-hmm. I think that works really well between you and me. I'm always impressed by you. Hmm. I like to think that hopefully I still impress you from time to time. Of course you and, do. And, uh, you know, it's just that's you get someone out there for you who who you impress. Yeah. Who's who's challenged and supported yeah. by by you. You know, I think that's that's the best kind of thing you can hope for. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's hot. Yeah. If you can impress each other. Right. It's kind of hot. Like, oh, right. hello. Who's that? Right. Talented individual. Uh-huh. Like when I. Uh, that's my husband. When I when I cleaned out the corner cabinet hey. the other day in the kitchen. I was in. Listen to this, ladies. <laughs> I was in Miami. <laughs> Having drinks, living it up, eating food, going to the beach. We hung out in this fancy cabana. We balled out. I mean, spent way too much money. But Eli, meanwhile, was like, "Wife's out of town." You know what that means? I'm cleaning the grout in the kitchen, and he scrubbed the shower and reorganized things. And I just came home like, "Where? Who am I? <laughs> what is this life?" Look, so I'm just saying when you go to New Orleans, I doubt that I'm going to clean any grout. I wouldn't just expect it. Lower your expectations. I, you know, I <laughs> for me, I like uh, cleaning mm-hmm. and it was nice uh, to get you the hell out of here so I could focus on it <laughs> for a few days. Um. <laughs> I'm happy to go back to Miami if it's better. You for know, me. It, I wouldn't say it should be a regular thing, but <laughs> I'll leave so you can quickly cl- unclutter this room. <laughs> All right, well, let's get the lead out here and wrap up the Annie Oakley story. (laughs) Because in 1922, Annie and Frank were in a bad car accident, Mm. and this fractured Annie's hip and ankle. And she never really recovered from these injuries. She was able to walk with a cane and a leg brace. But in 1924, a couple years later, she was diagnosed with pernicious anemia, Mm. and she started to grow weaker and weaker. And on November 3rd of 1926, Annie Oakley passed away. And heartbroken, Frank died only 18 days later. Oh, my God. Yeah. Isn't that just... uh, There's something so extra sweet and sad. And there's just this beautiful tragedy to when two people who loved each other a lot die so close together. Right. You know, like the end, like the beautiful end of Bicentennial Man. (laughs) When that old lady's holding hands with the robot and they both just power down at the same time. (laughs) Spoiler alert for Bicentennial Man. <laughs> I was like, I have not seen it, but I guess I don't need to I anymore. I saw it once, and that's the only thing I remember from it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I, you know, it's probably more than I need to. Interestingly, PBS speculates that she might have died from lead poisoning from all the time that she spent with lead bullets. Oh. Uh, and more, more specifically, apparently it was not uncommon for lead shot to get lost in the game meat. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just get eaten, these tiny pieces of it. Hmm. Uh, and then in your intestines, it would slowly poison you. So years and years of this might have led to her death. Um, not confirmed. That's uh, funny. I wonder if um, I, bulls, bullets, do they still have lead? I guess not. Are they not lead? Uh, I would have thought they were. I don't know. I'm seeing from bangerdailynews.com, many hunters still use lead shot in shotgun shells that they use while hunting upland birds ruffed grouse and woodcock, or snowshoe hares. And lead bullets are still commonly used by deer, moose, and bear hunters. Um, so, I don't know. You can definitely enlighten us on that. Yeah, I don't know. I guess... Teach us about lead. Well, my, my brother works at a gun range. Um, yeah. I feel 
that he could answer this. But I'm course, sure he could. You know, your brother's a, a fact fountain, especially for things like guns. It's so true. I feel like That's we'll, very true. We'll get it, all the answers we need. I know. I'll, I'll make sure to text him. He'll be like, but, okay, here's my, <laughs> my treatise. <laughs> but... Also, a great excuse for you all to reach out to us, yes. which we'd love you to do. I, I hope you love this story because mm-hmm. these people are, are, I mean, again, it's just one of those famous names that you know, but you don't really know the yeah. story behind totally. Annie Oakley. And I now you know, know more about Frank Butler, who was awesome and ahead of his time. Right. And An unproblematic king. Right. Thank how you. how we would talk about him on Twitter today. <laughs> we stand Frank <laughs> We stand Frank. I wish I could have seen their show. Oh my I bet God. it was a hooting, hollering good time. And you, that was that was the other thing with Annie Oakley that I, both of us, I think, expected this to be an Old West episode. I know, like, yeah, Like, we just definitely. really assumed that, oh, Annie Oakley, that's spurs and uh-huh, boots saloons. and saloons and, I was, and chaps. And, I was getting my tombstone accents right, ready to go. But then they were really East Coasters, mostly. Yeah. They were in the Wild West show, but just because of the association with sharpshooting and stuff, they, they weren't really Western folk. No, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, you can see that kinetoscope that they made with Edison. Oh, we watched yeah, that. Yeah. I think it's on YouTube, yeah, right? Yeah. So check that out. You can see Frank being awesome and throwing these balls yeah. up in the air. And I mean, I think he has his back to those kinetic. Like he's <laughs> right. seriously like, I am not in this. Do not look at me. <laughs> That's so cool. I They're so it. cool. I, I love, love them. them. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you can see that video and see in quotation marks because it is a <laughs> 1800s kinetoscope. Right. It is not um, well made. Right. Right. It's not exactly. Uh, you know, Peter Jackson's Weta special effects, <laughs> but it is it is super cool to see them in action. Um, please let us know what you thought. Yeah. Reach out. Mm-hmm. Tell us your experience sharpshooting, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, tell us about lead. Mm-hmm. Um, teach us something or just say hi. We love hearing from you. Yeah. Our email is romance at iheartmedia.com. You can get us on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Oakgrade, it's Eli. I'm at Dianamite Boom. And the show is at Ridic Romance. Mm-hmm. Want to follow us along there? And we're going to get back to those memes. I know. Soon we're so as these behind damn on the holidays memes. settle down. Um, but uh, we, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you for tuning in. Always. Hope you enjoy this story, and we will catch you on the next one. Can't wait. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. 
Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.